Welcome to the Founder Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Founder or how you can get involved, visit thefoundrychurch.com. Some of you don't know this, but my birthday is on Christmas. <laughs> That's right, your preacher took the being like Jesus thing so seriously that I was born on Jesus' birthday. Right? But being born on Christmas Day comes along with some fun traditions. And, and one of my favorites is that every year growing up, one of my gifts was a little Santa figurine or ornament. Every year, under the tree or in my stocking, there was always a special Santa picked out just for me. When I was really young, I didn't necessarily love this, but the older that I got, the more I appreciated how special it was. It was something that I could depend on and something that was just for me, right? Something that I could call my own on a day that I had to share with so many people. It was something that I could bank on until I couldn't, right? Sure, I was a grown adult, long out of the house by this point, but I still had the same expectation that I would receive my Santa ornament. And I remember the first year that I didn't get it. I was sort of crushed, right? Christmas tends to be the season of high expectations. Our, our hopes are high, right? When we are little, all we remember is that special gift that we dreamed of being under the tree, a Cabbage Patch doll, a Red Ryder BB gun, a new cell phone, right? All of our hopes and dreams were placed on that special gift, or for us adults, for some reason at Christmas time, we expect everyone in our family to get along. And I'm not sure why this is, right? We don't get along 364 other days of the year. A lot of us, we hear things like, I just want everyone to get along this year. Or the only thing I want for Christmas is for all of my family to be under one roof. Right? Especially this year when it's been a little bit difficult to get together, especially during the holidays, right? right? Our expectations for Christmas are high, maybe higher than any other holiday. Right, let, me, let me give you an example. Have you ever seen the videos that Jimmy Kimmel puts together every year at Christmas? Right, you see what he, he does is he asks parents to tell their kids that they can open a present early this year and then film it. But the trick is, is they have to be horrible present. Right? The expectations of our children are dashed when we get a half-eaten ham sandwich for Christmas. Right? Why is that? Right? Why are our expectations so heightened at Christmas time? And why are our emotions so strongly attached to these expectations? I mean, it is one thing when I expect someone to show up on time to a work an appointment or something like that, and they do not, but it's an entirely different intensity of emotions when I expect that all my family members will be in one house for Christmas and someone decides they can't make it. Or when your, your children expect to get those new pair of shoes and they open a banana instead. Or the year that I expected that Santa ornament and I did not get one. Right? My guess is that Christmas brings a higher set of expectations for you two. And like me, I bet there are certain set of emotions that come with your higher expectations. 
Right? Have you ever wondered why at Christmas time otherwise normal sane people lose their minds over a Best Buy bargain or elbow each other at Target or yell at innocent strangers over Black Friday sales? It is because at Christmas, right, things start feeling more emotional than other times of the year, right? The emotional temperature is up. And whenever emotions are involved, especially heightened ones, there's this tendency for things to get complicated, right? Emotions left unchecked can be the culprit for things going wrong. So my guess is that you already know this feeling, right? You are hosting a dinner this year. You cook all morning. The timer goes off. The turkey's burnt. You melt into a puddle of tears. Or your aunt, right, forgets her side dish at home, and your spouse reacts as if it's the end of the world as we know it. Or maybe you have experienced this while shopping for your significant other for this Christmas season, right? You, you see something you know that they would love, but it is a quite a bit out of your price range. But your emotions, they get involved, and you end up buying something that you have no business buying. Why? Because when emotions are operating on high, Right? We have a tendency to make decisions that we would not normally make. Right? Listen, all too often, our emotions are even more intense during this season. Right? Just if we're honest. And if they are not just intense about things like uh, which gift to buy or which meal to cook, they are also intense about everything. Right? You may be thinking to yourself, I want this Christmas to be perfect but I'm angry that my marriage is falling apart. I mean, did you know uh, that around the holidays, it is one of the most likely times for a relationship to end? A data study on Facebook uh, updates regarding breakups found that two of the most common times of the year that breakups happen is right around Valentine's Day and the two weeks before Christmas. Right? Christmas emotions are heightened in every way, even the not-so-great ones. I mean, seriously. Right? Think about all of the thoughts that come into your mind around the holidays. Right? I, I love my family, but I'm not really interested in hearing about my sister's perfect husband and her perfect kids, or my brother-in-law is great, but if I have to hear one more conspiracy theory from him, I might scream. Or I know this season is about celebrating the birth of Jesus, but I'm having a hard time believing He's even here at all. And just like that, our emotions take over. And we begin to dread the season more than we look forward to it. Listen, our feelings take the wheel of our thought life, and our thoughts begin to convince us of things that may or may not be true at all. Emotions have the potential to ruin Christmas, to ruin the season for all of us. So this is what we've been doing. For the past few weeks, we have talked a lot about the people involved in the Christmas story, in the original Christmas story. And two of the central characters in the Christmas story are Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary. Right? Joseph and Mary were most likely just teenagers when they were pledged to be married together. Today, we would call that an engagement. Right? We do not know a lot about Joseph, but what we do know is that he loved and followed God, right? that he forged his life on God. He, 
like Mary, was honoring God and saving himself for marriage. And well, let's just say, if you are not having a Christmas that is not going the way that you would have planned, then you will be in good company when you hear what happened to Joseph. All right, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verses um, 18 through 19. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. It says this, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, take a look at this picture, because this is how I imagine Joseph reacted. But we got to give it to Joseph, right? right the, the benefit, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right? Let me add some context to what we just read. 2,000 years ago, when Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married, this meant something different than it does to you and to me. Right? In, in traditional Jewish customs, an engagement was the equivalent of a couple being as committed to each other as they would be in marriage, even though a couple did not live together during this engagement period. So even though Mary and Joseph were only engaged according to their custom, Right, the customs at the time, this engagement could only be broken through divorce. They were already in a legally binding relationship. So with that being said, when Joseph has learned of Mary's pregnancy, and he knew he was not the father, the obvious choice was to get a divorce. Listen, in fact, according to the law at the time, if a woman had been unfaithful, not only did the man have the right to divorce her, he also had the right to to have her stoned to death. So according to Jewish tradition, unfaithfulness was an extreme crime requiring an extreme punishment. So can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes and feeling the emotions that were wrapped up into this situation? Right from, from Joseph's perspective, this girl who was about to become his wife appeared to be pregnant by someone else. And not only that, but, but he was about to be humiliated in front of the entire community. And then, all right, we get to, uh, some more insight into Joseph's character. Because we, we know that he wanted to honor God and follow his commands in the law, but those requirements meant that he would be forced to divorce Mary. Right? Even though it appeared that Mary had cheated on him, Joseph was not interested in making a disgrace of her. All right, so he decided, like it says, to uphold the law, but to do so quietly so he could spare Mary from being publicly humiliated. Right? This really is amazing. Right? Joseph had every right to broadcast Mary's perceived act of unfaithfulness to the entire community, but instead he kindly decided to spare her from the shame. Right? He was attempting to do what was best for the person who had hurt him the most. Right? But before Joseph acted, listen to what happened next. Right? Verses 20 and 21, and then we'll jump to 24. It says this, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Right? And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people 
from their sins. I jump to verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. In that moment, Joseph had a choice to make. He could make a choice that was based on his feelings, or he could make a choice that was based on what God's messenger had just told him. Right? We read this, this, we read this today, and we think that this is easy. This is an easy choice. Do what the angel says. But think of the context, right? Think of every emotion Joseph must have been feeling. Right? Adultery at the time meant that the woman was, was just tossed aside. A, a righteous man like Joseph would never stoop so low as to marry a woman already pregnant. Right? Imagine the embarrassment, the shame. Right? Then there's the fear. If he goes through with what the angel has asked, right? Joseph, to not just put up with this baby, right? he had to adopt him. You see, when Joseph is commanded to personally name the child, right, this is deeply significant. It means that Joseph is naming the child, acknowledging him as his own son, not just taking care of him. Right? acknowledging him as his own son and thus becomes the legal father of this child according to the law at the time. Right? A man who just a, a few minutes ago was thinking about a quiet divorce was now being asked to take on and adopt a child. I mean, I would be a little nervous, wouldn't you? Right? For Joseph, this feels like an impossible situation. It feels like there is no way out. He is stuck between a rock and a hard place. On one hand, his, his fiance is falling apart, right? His, his relationship with Mary is falling apart, right? Betrayed in every way possible. And his life is being overturned. And then on the other hand, he, if he believes this angel, right, his life is still overturned. I mean, talk about the heightened emotions around this first Christmas. So, so Joseph is faced with a choice, as God always does. He gives his beloved children a choice to follow him. Right? Joseph's choice was this. He could choose to trust his feelings, or he could choose to trust God. As simple as I may have just made that sound, you and I both know this was not easy. It is far more tempting to make emotion-based decisions in our lives because in those moments when our emotions are running on high, they often feel like the loudest voices in our lives, right? Who among us has not yelled something at the crazy driver next to us on the highway or has been rude to the clerk at the bank because it's our money and we should be able to do with it what we want or, or screamed something horrible at your, your partner in the heat of an argument? Right? Emotions can easily be the loudest thing in the room. And yet, right, Joseph did not let his feelings determine his faith. Right? My guess is that all of Joseph's emotions, they didn't just disappear. And that's not how they work. Right? Joseph kept feeling his emotions. They just ran alongside his faith. Right? And he did not allow them to overtake his faith. Right? Joseph, he could be nervous, but still trust in, in who God is. Right? He could be embarrassed, but still do the right thing. He could feel like he was in an impossible situation and still have hope. Right? Hope that the Savior of the world was finally coming. So 
here's where we are. I don't know what this Christmas is like for you, right? But I think we can learn a valuable lesson from the life of Joseph, whether or not it's for this season or something that we need to hold on to, right? If Joseph had chosen his feelings over faith, he most likely would have missed out on the story that God was writing that first Christmas, right? If he had allowed whatever emotions he was feeling to dictate his decisions, our nativity scenes in our homes might not have included Joseph. But what was true for Joseph is true for you too. Right? You can have confidence that God is doing something bigger than what you feel. Right? That he is writing a story bigger than your emotions. Now, you may feel like things are hopeless. That things are frustrating or less than ideal or, or just going the wrong way. But in the first Christmas story, Joseph reminds us that it is possible to feel what we feel while still choosing to trust in who God is and in the promises that he's made to us. Listen, Joseph chose to trust God in the midst of his feelings, and then he chose to allow God to write the story. Are there areas in your life where you are tempted to allow your feelings to derail your faith this Christmas? Right? Maybe you're uh, adult children will not be coming home. And for you, that looks like acknowledging your feeling of abandonment. Right? But do not let that feeling take away from the fact that God is still writing a bigger story, a good story. Right? He has not forgotten you, and he is still working for your good. Right? It could be that your job situation is not what you hoped, and your feelings of hopelessness feel overwhelming at times. But that does not mean God is not still writing a story in your life. Listen, you can choose to give into what you feel, or you can choose to keep putting one step in front of the other and trust that God sees you and that he will put you in the right place at the right time, right? the place that he has chosen for you. The truth is, is that God is authoring our stories, and it's always a good one. And that you, uh, if you could see all that he sees about timing and future, you would agree with the place that he has you in right now. Right? Take a, a page from Joseph's story. Right? Let those feelings run alongside your hopeful faith. Our emotions are a powerful thing, but do not allow them to have more power in your life than God. Right? Faith is more than a feeling, and God's story is bigger than your feelings. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have the band come back on here in just a minute. I'm going to have Caleb come back here and lead us in a time of communion. And before he comes back on, and before we continue to worship, let me remind you of a verse that many of us have heard and love. Right, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for a good uh, and not a disastrous future, right, to give you a hope and a future. Right? Most of us, we've heard this verse probably when our emotions were high and our situation was not so great. Right? We love this verse, but what most of us do not know is the context of this section of scripture. You see, this verse we all love uh, was written during a time when God's people were at a uh, rock bottom type situation. The nation of Israel was under attack from a foreign nation. The people were being killed, raped, and exiled. 
Yet, in the midst of all this hardship, God promises that he has a plan. Right? He promises to deliver his people from exile, to bring them home. So this, this nation of Israel had a choice too: trust their feelings or trust in the plan of God. You see, this verse reminds us not just that, that God has a plan, but that it is a plan for our good, even when it does not feel like it. Right? Jesus came in a crazy way, in a messy way, in an emotional way for our good. And all he needed was the people to choose. Right? Mary, Joseph, Simeon, Zachariah to trust that the story he was writing was bigger than the feelings they were feeling. Let's continue to worship this God who's bigger than anything we may feel or experience. Thanks for listening to the Foundry Church Podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Visit us online at thefoundrychurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at thefoundryburke.